Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is God's word for us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Eric Ruth and Pastor Josh, for uh, leading us. As uh, we come now to, to the Bible, to God's Word, let me encourage you to have that passage open as uh, we now uh, turn to hear what it is that God has to say uh, to us this morning. I want to speak to you uh, this morning about finding encouragement. Finding encouragement. And to do that, I want to introduce to you something that I'm going to call the Barnabas factor. The Barnabas factor. Now, we all, I suspect, are looking for encouragement these days. Uh, We are living in isolation, some of us, certainly at at home. Um, We are facing a situation that is unprecedented, at least in our own uh, lifetimes, And uh, it's easy for us even to struggle with mental health issues, with emotional um, issues, with challenges in relationships with the people that we're now locked down with. Uh, there, There are many opportunities, but there are also many challenges. And I suspect that we're all looking to find encouragement, to find a sense of hope and meaning, to be lifted Uh, That uh, video that we had uh, last week, as we already heard from Pastor Josh, over 100,000, it gives you encouragement, it lifts you. And so I want to speak to you this morning about finding encouragement, and in particular, I'm going to introduce to you to that end something called the Barnabas Factor. You've heard perhaps of the X Factor. The X Factor is that indefinable something that makes all the difference, Uh, a sports Uh, personality, a sports celebrity, a sports star, has not just uh, normal athletic abilities, but has the X factor, something different, something that goes above and beyond what you would expect. And similarly, there's something that I believe Luke in uh, this passage is introducing for us that I've called the Barnabas factor. And in this story, this is the second of three pericopes, three Uh, vignettes, three focal points on the local church in this book of Acts. And the second one, much of it is similar to the first. But at the end, he turns the spotlight on this Barnabas factor, on Barnabas that the apostles call son of encouragement. And as he turns the spotlight on Barnabas, I believe Luke wants us, the author of Acts, Luke wants us to notice three particular things about this Barnabas 
factor about Barnabas as he traces that theme of the Barnabas factor through his story of Acts. And I'm going to pick out just a few of those for us this morning to say three. The Barnabas factor, the X factor, that's something different to find encouragement. You know, Henry Drummond, a 19th century professor of biology in Scotland and also at the time a well-known evangelist, Henry Drummond uh, once said, the people who influence us are those who believe in us. He said, in an atmosphere of suspicion, we shrivel up. But when there is a trusting atmosphere, we thrive. We find encouragement and an educative fellowship. Finding encouragement, the Barnabas factor, Three aspects that Luke is pointing out as he puts the spotlight on Barnabas. First of all, financially. Financially. Look at verses 36 and uh, 37. Thus uh, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, that's where he was from, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, we, you and I, tend to think of encouragement as something vague, um, a little nice word here, uh, perhaps bordering on flattery, but nonetheless it, it encourages us. That's how we tend to think of encouragement, something nebulous. But here, Luke is introducing to us this Barnabas factor, this son of encouragement, Barnabas. First of all, financially, he did something extraordinary. He sold a field and he brought it uh, to the apostles' feet. That is, he brought it to the, the Jerusalem church. Really quite remarkable. You see, what was going on at the time, of course, is the church was under significant pressure. We, right beforehand, uh, there's some significant persecution that is, is growing and bubbling up, and there's real pressure. And yet Barnabas, the son of encouragement, responds in a remarkable way financially. Now, of course, right now, uh, we are living in uncertain financial times. Uh, you may have uh, lost your job. Uh, you may have experienced a significant pay cut. There are people going through financial hardship right now in ways they could not have predicted just a month or so ago. But it's not uniform, is it? At the same time, there are other people, and this is always the case in times of crisis, in times of war, in times of plague, and this virus that we're all um, wrestling with. At the same time, there are others who are doing very well financially. I mean, Amazon... Uh, the, uh, the boss of Amazon, who's reported this just this week, has made an extra goodness knows how many billion just recently because everyone needs to purchase things online and Amazon is thriving. And uh, Zoom, video calls, however they make their money, I'm sure that's a good business to be a part of right now. And there are other people who perhaps have not experienced any particular downturn. They're just going on as normal. Their business model is not affected. And there are those who are really struggling. And the Jerusalem church, no doubt, had a similar sort of thing. There are people who are experiencing the, the effects of the persecution, and others, like Barnabas, who had a field, he sold it, and in a statement of encouragement, he brought it to the church. 
An amazing thing. Now, we who love the Lord Jesus are called to give. It is a regular part of the uh, Christian faith. God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that gift of grace motivates us who follow the Lord Jesus to give of our time, of our money, of our service, of our gifts to other people, to our neighbors, to the world. And you see that now. The church is just doing extraordinary things out of love. The love that we have received from Christ we then pour out to the world around us. That's just the regular pattern of what it means to be a Christian. And then there's a relational giving. There's something that touches your heart, a missionary perhaps, a ministry. There's someone you notice, a neighbor who's struggling and it pulls on your heartstrings and you, you give above and beyond the regular. There's a relational aspect. You, you love that ministry, you love that person, you want to give above and beyond that. And then there's radical generosity. And that, of course, is what Barnabas was doing. He had a field. He sold it. He gave it to the ministry. What an encouragement. Extraordinary thing. Statement of great, uh, great encouragement. Yeah, I believe in this church. Though you're under persecution, I believe in it. Here, apostles, this is my encouragement to you. And they called him son of encouragement. I remember one time, uh, it was a church that was uh, doing a, had a, a particular financial campaign going on and there was a, a college student who didn't have much money but sent a check to that church and the pastor of that church actually stood up with that check for, for not much money and, and told the church, this has come from a college student. It was an encouragement and there are many such encouragements that you are doing right now, not just for this church, but for the ministry of the gospel around the world. It's a great encouragement. So first, financially. But then also, strategically. This spotlight on Barnabas continues, and it continues throughout this book of Acts. You turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 9, and you come there to uh, verse uh, uh, 27. You'll find there, It says this, but Barnabas took him, uh, that is uh, Saul, who became the apostle Paul, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. You see, Saul, uh, there's a context here you've got to understand. So we have financially, but now this is encouragement strategically. Saul, who had recently just become a Christian, Previous to this, he'd been persecuting the church. And understandably, verse 26, when we're told when Saul came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they're all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, son of encouragement, he believes in Saul, he believes in Paul, he takes him to the apostles, he vouches for him, and no, he's the real deal. You can trust him. I trust him. It's a strategic encouragement. Extraordinary thing. But then also, you know, it's the same thing in chapter 11 with uh, this strategic nature of uh, encouragement. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 22. 
the church in Jerusalem hears about a great new work going on in, the, in a nearby city called Antioch. And in that city of Antioch, there was a multinational, multiracial, uh, multiethnic uh, revival going on, a church gathering, and the church of Jerusalem heard about this. And what do they do? They send Barnabas. Son of encouragement, the strategic nature of encouragement to lift that church, to be a part of that church. And Barnabas, uh, Barnabas uh, goes. So verse 22, chapter 11, the report of this, the, the movement of God in Antioch, came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he saw the grace of God, he was glad. There's joy and encouragement, this strategic nature of encouragement. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast uh, purpose. But, but Barnabas, this strategic, not just financial, but strategic nature of encouragement. Barnabas is thinking, this is a new work of God. Something extraordinary is going on here. There's an opportunity. And he realizes he has just the man for this task. And so... Uh, verse uh, uh, 20, 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. There, there's Saul. He's gone back to his hometown. Yeah, Barnabas had introduced him to the apostles at Jerusalem. He's gone back to Tarsus. Barnabas goes to Antioch. He sees this amazing work of God. It's strategic. And he thinks, I know the man who could have an impact here. He goes and finds the Apostle Paul. He brings him to Tarsus. And Paul has this extraordinary ministry. It brings him to Antioch. And Paul has this extraordinary ministry in Antioch along with the other teachers. Because Barnabas is thinking strategically. This son of encouragement. This Barnabas factor. This X factor of encouragement. He spots the opportunity. He spots the person who can meet the opportunity. He brings them together. And then chapter 13, when uh, Saul is sent off to do uh, his first missionary journey, uh, chapter 13, verse, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas, he's with Saul. He's going to go out with Paul. Paul, the great famous Apostle has Barnabas alongside him, the Barnabas factor, the son of encouragement. He spotted that they were alienated from him, the other apostles. They didn't trust him. He brought him to the apostles in Jerusalem, saying, now I trust him, I believe in him, you can trust him too. He goes down to Antioch. He sees this amazing work of God. He thinks to himself, I've got a man who could make the most of that opportunity. He brings Saul to it. And then he sent out along with Paul for this amazing missionary work. Now think to yourself, under God's sovereignty, what would have happened if there hadn't been a Barnabas? If there hadn't been this Barnabas factor? Saul wouldn't have gone to Antioch. Saul wouldn't have been accepted by the Jerusalem apostles. Perhaps Saul wouldn't have gone on this first missionary journey. Maybe we wouldn't have had these letters from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Maybe we wouldn't have had these amazing uh, church plants. God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he used the Barnabas factor, the encouragement factor. 
You know, churches without encouragement, without the Barnabas factor, tend to miss opportunities. There's always a reason not to do something. It always at least feels safer not to do something. It always feels riskier to seize the opportunity. Cannot do will always triumph over can do without the Barnabas factor. No, you can trust Paul. No, he's the guy. Let's bring him to Antioch. No, let's go out and plant these churches. The Barnabas factor. And then finally, we have not only financially and strategically, uh, we have pastorally. If you come with me to chapter 15, as Luke has put his spotlight on Barnabas in the second of the three pericopes, most about the early church, the second of the three vignettes, the second of the three stories about the early church, most of it is pretty much the same, but he now puts the spotlight on Barnabas. And I believe that one of the challenges of, of a sermon series in a book is you just look at one little passage, you don't see how it connects to a theme, and here's the spotlight on Barnabas. And there's a theme throughout the book about this Barnabas factor financially strategically but then also pastorally come with me to chapter 15 and verse uh, 39 this in some ways is the, the, one of the saddest parts of the uh, uh, of the story of Paul and Barnabas but really it's encouraging I want to show you why encouraging pastorally so verse 39 there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated that is Paul and Barnabas from each other Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, what was this disagreement about? This disagreement was about this this person called Mark, John Mark. And Paul thought it, uh, verse 38, best not to take him with them, for he had uh, left them when they were in Pamphylia and not gone on with the work there. But Barnabas, son of encouragement, he disagrees. Now, who was right, Paul or Barnabas? Text doesn't make it 100% clear. We know that uh, Paul's work is commended. The church commends the work that uh, Paul has with uh, Silas, verse 40, but Paul of chapter 15. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So his missionary judgment is commended. You've made the right choice, Paul. Mark isn't ready for this work. You're going to take Silas with you. We commend you for that choice. But does that mean that Barnabas was wrong? Some say that Barnabas uh, was uh, swayed by his sensitive nature and by the relationship that he had with John Mark. For we know from the book of Colossians that John Mark was a, a relative of uh, Barnabas, a cousin, a close relative. Was, was he biased towards John Mark? I think son of encouragement. He couldn't let John Mark be ostracized, alienated, hung out to dry. He had to stand with him. He had to believe in him. And you know that, John Mark? By uh, the end of Paul's lifetime, 
uh, in, the, uh, in the last letter, as far as we know, that he wrote Second Timothy. Paul uh, writes to Timothy, telling him about John Mark, saying that Mark is very useful to him in his ministry. There's Mark earlier in the, the story. No, uh, Paul says, I can't take him with me. He's no use. But by the end, he's now very useful. And according to very early uh, church tradition, one of our four gospels in the Bible, the gospel of Mark, is written by John Mark. Again, think what would have happened if Barnabas hadn't pastorally stood with him. Yeah, maybe that's the right missionary judgment, the Apostle Paul. But there's a pastoral need here. I believe in you, John Mark. Yeah, maybe you did mess up. Maybe you did make a mistake. Maybe that was wrong. But I'm for you. I'm with you. There are better days ahead. The best is yet to come. I'm going to go with you, John Mark, says Barnabas. And because he stood with him, John Mark was redeemed. And his ministry became very useful. And he even wrote one of the four Gospels. You know, I remember a rather cynical deacon that I knew uh, in one of uh, the previous churches that I'd been a pastor of many years ago. Once said to me this, he said, the church, the church is uh, the only army that shoots its dead. It shoots its wounded, sorry. The church is the only army that shoots its wounded. And at the time, I thought that's extraordinarily cynical. But now, 15, 20 years later, it can be like that. Someone makes a mistake. They, um, they get angry when they should not have done. They watch some pornography when they should not have done. They, have a divor- they go through a terrible divorce when they should not have done. Something awful happens to them. They sin, they make a mistake. Oh, they're so sorry. They wish they hadn't. And we need a Barnabas to come alongside that person and say, I believe in you. The best days ahead. You can still have an impact for Jesus if you repent and turn to him. I'm for you. I'm with you. I stand with you. I won't leave you. Perhaps you need the Barnabas factor. That son of encouragement. There's guilt in your mind, in your heart. I've made so many mistakes. God can never use me, but the Barnabas factor comes alongside. I'm with you. I'm for you. The best days are ahead. I'm not going to let you down. Huge impact from Barnabas. The X factor of encouragement. The Barnabas factor. And you say, well, why, why does it have such a big impact? You know why? It's not really the Barnabas factor at all. It's the Jesus factor. This word encouragement that is um, used when they, uh, in chapter 4, describe uh, Barnabas as son of encouragement is the same idea as Jesus uses of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that he's going to send to us, that he has sent to us, another counselor, another strengthener, another encourager, 
Jesus himself didn't just stand with us, didn't just come alongside us. He became one of us. He lived, he died, and he rose again. And he wants you. Sinner that you are, sinner that I am, mistakes that you have made, mistakes that I have made. He wants you to lift you, to enable you to become very useful to him and the ministry of the church of the gospel. And as we receive that, of course, then we can have many opportunities to encourage one another with texts and phone calls and emails. The encouraging factor in a church just exponentially increases the impact. The people who influence us are those who believe in us. The encouragement factor, the Barnabas factor. You know, uh, you've, you've probably uh, all heard of uh, C.S. Lewis, I, I would guess, the, the great Oxford professor. C.S. Lewis is uh, famous for his apologetics, but also for a set of books that he wrote for children called uh, the Narnia series. Perhaps what you don't know is how important was the Barnabas factor, the encouragement factor to C.S. Lewis at one critical moment in his life. C.S. Lewis had just written the first of those Narnia books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And uh, C.S. Lewis, after that had been written, had just received some particularly devastating criticism. It was public criticism. It was criticism from someone very close to him, and it devastated him. At the same time, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great Preachers of the 20th century, a Welsh preacher, was in his prime in London, and his daughter was at Oxford and was being tutored by Professor C.S. Lewis. The daughter of uh, Martin Lloyd Jones went to one of these tutorials at Cambridge and Oxford if you're doing English literature, which of course is what C.S. Lewis taught, or history, or one of the, the humanities. You'll have a tutorial, as they call it at Oxford, or supervision, as they call it at Cambridge, and it'll just be one-on-one with you and the professor. And so the daughter of Martin Lloyd-Jones walks into the tutorial, and perhaps with some of the same pastoral gifts as her father, immediately notices that something isn't right. C.S. Lewis has just received this terrible criticism and his demeanor has changed. There's something not right. And she asks him, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And he tells her about the criticism that he's just received and how it's just devastated him. And they go on with their tutorial. And afterwards, the daughter of Martin Lloyd-Jones c- connects with her father and tells her what she's just heard from C.S. Lewis. And her father says this to his daughter, tell Professor Lewis that I'm coming down to Oxford next week and I want to get lunch with him. And so she does. The next week, (laughs) you imagine it, the the great Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher with Professor C.S. Lewis, the pipe-smoking author of the Narnia series, (laughs) sitting down for lunch somewhere in Oxford. And uh, they're there and Lloyd-Jones says this, I've heard that you've received some very bad criticism about your, about your book. 
And C.S. Lewis acknowledges the fact. And Lloyd-Jones says, I've read your book. I think it's very good. My advice to you is this. Write the rest of the series. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened if there hadn't been a Barnabas factor? (laughs) The magician's nephew. The voyage of the dawn treader. Prince Caspian, the horse and his boy, the last battle, or maybe not have been written. All because of a word of encouragement, the Barnabas factor, the Jesus factor. He's for you, he loves you, he wants you as his. He died for you. He rose again for you. Follow him and let his encouragement come into your life to turn your life around that you might walk with him and be very useful. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, we do thank you for the encouragement that we can give one another. And we pray that even this week we might uh, do that. We might reach out to each other through phone calls and emails, text messages, social media. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would release this uh, Barnabas factor uh, in this church and in the churches around the world. That we, as your people, would lift each other up, would spot what is strategic And we'll come alongside pastorally. And even where possible, Lord, be uh, radically generous. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us to be like this and to find encouragement. We pray, Lord, you'd also help us to receive encouragement. This morning in particular, I pray, Lord, we receive the encouragement from you and from your word. Would you, by your spirit, lift us to see, Lord, the love that you have for us. And therefore, Lord, would you again ensure that you and you alone are our vision. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.